Hello, I have the amazing Graham Bartlett with me. Hi, Graham. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm not amazing. That's the first thing, uh, but thanks for that. Um, yeah, so I'm Graham Bartlett. I'm the author of uh, Bad for Good, which is a new novel uh, out um, round about now, depending when this gets um, broadcast. Thursday the 23rd, it comes out. Uh, I am a former police officer uh, and I advise crime writers, both authors and TV writers on police procedure, creating police characters, uh, authentic crime scenes, authentic crime investigations, that sort of stuff. How's that? Does that, does that work all right? Yeah. Happy with that? Good. <laughs> you are awesome. <laughs> and I imagine actually that uh, most people in my group should know that your book's out. You know, I've only been counting. I hope so, because you've been, you've been wallpapering your uh, your, your various um, socials with it for the last month or so, which I'm very grateful for. And, and contrary to popular belief, I'm not paying you any money for it. Well, I, I, I don't know, you might send me an invoice, but... You just laugh at me and tell me to bugger off anyway, so... <laughs> I'm doing it for the love. Oh, it's very kind of you, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, so, I know, if people in my group don't know that your book's out, then where, where have they been, basically? But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's out on Thursday. Um, so I've spoke to you before, but it was a long time ago. So I don't remember what we, I asked you. I don't remember yesterday, to be quite honest. So if I ask you the questions again, I apologise in advance. <laughs> right, no, I can't remember either. And I doubt if any, any of the viewers can remember either. And should we just say they are your budgies, not mine, that we can hear? Yes, noisy little fuckers that don't shut up. <laughs> Probably if I shout at them, I scare the dog, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I will ask, did you always want to be a writer? Uh, no, no, I never even thought of being a writer. Um, you hear so many writers, don't you? Say, oh, you know, I used to go to bed with a torch and the famous five under the, under the, the duvet, or I was always scribbling stories and writing, you know, that's all I'd ever do. Uh, I was never like that at all. I had no no notion of even being a, a writer until I left the police, which was sort of nine years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely what you call a late starter. And what, um, what happened when you left the police that made you think, oh, actually, perhaps I would like to write? So I, I um, knew a chap called Peter James, who you might have heard of, uh, and uh, was helping him with his procedure. And, and he came up with the idea of, uh, us writing a non-fiction book together which um he wanted to tell the true stories behind the uh the, the roy grace novels so um he he basically gave me an offer that i couldn't refuse you know would you like to write a book with me so why you know of course never thought of it in my life but yeah okay let's give it a go so um during the process of that and the book um was eventually published as death comes knocking um I got a real bug. For, I, I sort of caught the bug, really, and, and I absolutely loved it. I loved just sitting there, even though it was non-fiction, so I wasn't making stuff up. I just loved getting getting things down, learning learning the craft, learning how to write kind of good prose, getting feedback, polishing, polishing. You know, I, I look at it as like a sculpture, really. You know, you kind of, you, you've got a block of stone, and then you kind of knock a rough shape into it, and then you, you know, you over the over the months you you gradually polishing it down uh, and i absolutely loved it and and from then i kind of 
I just thought, well, I've got I've got a second calling. I always thought of the police as being a calling. This was, seemed a second calling, so that was it. But yeah, I was I was kind of late forties when that happened. And then you wrote non-fiction. So then, what gave you the push to write your first fiction book? Well, during the during the process of writing Death Comes Knocking, I, I was kind of because you you kind of start getting into the world a little bit and I was talking to Peter about his books and just sort of getting an interest I just thought God, it'd be lovely to lovely to make some stuff up for once because the with non-fiction you have to you know all the research you have to do and you can't kill people off if they annoy you and, and all that sort of stuff uh, and then I just got this idea in my head I was out on a dog walk I got this idea in my head um for a book uh, and, and I just kind of I just thought, oh, there's something in that. And then the idea was, and it, it's kind of what has become bad for good after many, many rewrites, was what happens if policing is cut so badly that vigilantism takes over? Because I'd had a chat with the the, um, the chap that had taken over from me in Brighton. And he, when I left as the divisional commander at Brighton, I was I moaned like mad to the bosses about the cuts and we can't do the job. You know, you keep taking money away and expecting so much more with less it can't be done uh, and then he said to me this is about two years after i'd retired he said to me do you know i'd have bitten your hand off for what you were moaning about in those days he said it's just it's got so much worse and that's what got me thinking and i thought yeah there's a story in this and then i just kind of then you know jotted ideas down and then eventually i'll tell you who it was the first person i kind of voiced it to was william shaw um so william and i uh, and, and um, Phil Viner, PD Viner and Susan Wilkins were doing an event in Brighton and mine was kind of obviously obviously around Death Comes Knocking and we were at the pub afterwards and, and uh, he said it would be the thought of writing fiction I said well, I've got this idea and I kind of I fleshed it out a little bit in my head and I told him about it he went oh you've got to write it you've got to write it um, so he is absolutely delighted now to see that it's out there because he's been banging on to me for all that time about <laughs> writing this book and now I've finally done it and it's a series so when you had the idea for the first one did you have the idea that you were going to write a series or has that just kind of happened accidentally yeah no that 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 happened quite late on I mean I, I didn't you know I didn't think it was ever going to get published I didn't think that you know I think I'd be I, I thought I'd be faffing around with it for to, to, you know till the day they took me out in a box um, but I yeah I, it was I probably it was probably only about two years ago that I started to think of a second, a second book, um, and, and because I'm, the, the you know the, the themes of the book, both books, and, and I'm writing the third at the moment, are kind of policing, but within a within a, a, a huge and scary social context and political context. So, you know, as I say, bad, bad for good is is all about the cuts and you know how how the you know public services policing are so decimated but with crime in there um there's only there's only a certain number of big issues that you can kind of make exciting uh, around crime so i've got so obviously book, book two is, is 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 written that's with my publishers at the moment so just waiting for the copy edits to come back on that book three i'm halfway through uh, and book four i've got a, i've got a just a kind of glimmer of an idea about what book four might be about but i'm only on a two book contract so um i might not get a, even a contract for the third book but um i'll still write it anyway and the fourth well you're fine <laughs>
Um, Sergey wanted me to ask you when book two is out, I think. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be early next year. Um, I don't know the exact date yet. And it, I, I understand, don't hold me to this, I understand it's going to be around, out around the same time as the paperback of Bad for Good. Um, that, I think that's how they're doing it, but I've got no idea of dates yet. And how did you... from Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you'd, you'll be an old hacker by then. You'll know exactly how this whole crazy publishing world works. And <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> and how did your book deal come about? So I'd, um, I, I'd been working, I say, for a long time on the book. Uh, and um, I, I basically met my agent. Um, so I'd had an agent for the, for the non-fiction. So I, I managed to um, engineer a meeting with um, David Headley, um, who many people will know. He's, a, uh, he, he's, the, he's, he's the boss of DHH Literary Agency. He runs Capital Crime and he's... He runs Goldsboro Books, fabulous, fabulous man, just one of the nicest human beings in the world. I managed to engineer a meeting with him and, and kind of said, look, you know, I'm, I'm between agents at the moment. And, uh, you know, I just wondered whether you'd be interested in having a look at, at, at something that I've written. Uh, at, you know, and, and he, he said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're just having a coffee. And he said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he came back to me within about two days. I mean, he's incredible. Well, you're a fast reader, but he's, he's, he's as fast as you. Uh, and he absolutely loved it. And then, then he kind of pushed it out to put it out on submission. Um, he made he made one 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 structural change. He wanted me to make one structural change, which was basically flipping two chapters around. Then it made absolute sense. Put it out on submission, and that honestly that is that that is the most heart destroying thing you can have. when your book goes out on submission. You you know the the rejections come in and, and you just think oh this is just rubbish it's, it's rubbish they hate it you know it's been, um and I, I in fact during that process i spoke to victoria selman um because i've worked with victoria i'd given her some advice and she's she's one of david's clients as well uh and i, I was, talk, was talking to her about something completely different I said, and she said oh how's it going and i said oh i said i'm just i think i should give up because i'm getting all these rejections she said right stop stop and she just said Exactly what I've just said to you. The rejections come first. You're always going to get rejections. They will always come first because that's the kind of filtering system. And so the ones that you don't hear back from are the ones that are probably going through. And yeah, hey presto, in about, about three, four weeks later, Alison and Busby, um, a, a, a very long-standing independent publishers with a fabulous reputation, um, came in for it. And uh, you know they, they've been absolutely amazing. So, and that was, you know, that, that was a combination of David and, and, and them working, working really well together. And I'm absolutely delighted to be with them. Good stuff. And Victoria's lovely as well, isn't she? She's incredible. Yeah. 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 I mean, your support network is going to be insane when it comes out on Thursday because you advise so many writers and obviously you've been to festivals and stuff. So it's going to be good. You're going to have quite <laughs> quite a boost when it does actually come out on Thursday. Do you know it's such and it's such a lovely community, isn't it? It really is. I mean, we were we were talking a bit about this before we before we hit record, uh, and they're just so supportive. And you just think, you know, we're we you are in competition with each other with other writers because you want everyone to buy your book, and you know, not 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 the next um, whoever I won't say that, but not the next whoever. But, you know, everybody is just, just wants everyone to do well. I've never known anything like it. 
Um, and you know, I just I'm just blessed really to be amongst such such a friendly bunch of people. Yeah, even Mike Craven, he looks like a miserable git. It's all right. <laughs> he's, he's great, isn't he? I've never met him in the flesh. I think I'm. I'm not. I'm not up for a dagger, but I'm going to the daggers next week, and I, I think he's going to be there because he'll be up for about five daggers. And uh, <laughs> first time I'll have met him in the flesh, but um, uh, yeah, he's a bit scary though. He looks scary, doesn't he? he looks a bit, it's yeah. it's quite terrifying. Yeah. yeah. He um he was taking a piss out of me when I met when I saw him in Wigan. Um, he said he was only going to speak to me when I had sandwich in my mouth. Oh, I thought really? it was quite mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he thinks I'm going to... I don't know what everyone thinks I'm going to do. You won't let me sit in the front row at Harrogate. He wouldn't speak to me unless I was eating. <laughs> what do people think I'm going to do? I literally can't have you in the front row at Harrogate because that's, a, that's scary enough anyway. I'm doing, this, I'm doing this panel with people like Sue Black and Carla Valentine and, uh, you know, chaired by Simon Mayo. And to have you sat in the front row grinning up at me, that would just completely throw me. No, it's very harsh. <laughs> I'd be perfectly behaved. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll have a word with your chaperone if you're going to go there. I don't know who it is, but I'll have a word with them. Uh, it's Sharon Rimmel's one. You have no oh. chance. She's worse than I am. <laughs> the pair of us together is... <laughs> it'll, be the fire, be... it'll be the fire alarm then. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you could get Hobeck to keep me under control, they're not too bad. Yeah, I could do actually. Yeah, because Malcolm's only going on Thursday. I think Malcolm's usually quite a calming influence. So, yeah. oh, is he going Thursday? What for a creative Thursday? Um, I think he's just going to meet up with people like me and Linda Checkley. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> no, it'd be good. But, do you know what I? I I think we've said this on messages between each other. I'm going to have alcohol poisoning by the end of that day. That, because <laughs> so many drinks. Where we'll have a drink, we'll have a drink, we'll have a drink, we'll have a drink. I just don't know where, you know, I'm only there for 48 hours. I'm going, I'm going on the, going on the, the Sunday morning is my 30th wedding anniversary. I'm going to be so hungover on a train <laughs> from Harrogate to Brighton and then celebrate my 30th wedding anniversary. What you to me? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's an extra, like, what's it from London to Brighton? A couple of hours, I think, after. That's a long train journey, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's about, I think it's four and a half, four, four and three quarter hours. But that's all right, I'll be all right. Oh, really? I think, I don't know, I actually haven't looked. Must be not that much more for me, maybe three. We can't be. We let's not talk train times. That's that's boring. Yeah, this <laughs> is very true. Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> we get the nine fifteen from Harrogate. Change at York. <laughs> and it's so annoying when I get the train. I have to go down into London to then go back up north. Oh, do you? Yeah, it's very annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Hopefully they're stop striking by then. Anyway. Yeah, and, yeah, and the other is that. Is that I've had so many events cancelled, or I've had two events cancelled because of the train strike this week, so let's not talk about the train. <laughs> well, you're everywhere anyway, so... <laughs> Can't get... Last week it, I was being haunted by Mike Craven's face, and this week it's you. <laughs> <laughs> you yours is a much prettier face than his. His is terrifying. Thank you. It's another another £10 I owe you. Great, thank you. Yeah, fabulous. Thank you very much. <laughs> So writing Bad for Good, um, 
which character gave you the most trouble? Um, I'm not, I, the thing is, it's, it, I don't want to give too much away, but um, D.I. Bob Heaton gave me the most trouble. Um, I'm not going to give too much away on that, but D.I. Bob Heaton is not who you might assume um, when you meet him, but he's a fabulous character, love him. Uh, really hard to write that, really hard to write that well and respectfully. Um, and yeah, yeah, and, and also some of the things that he gets, I'm just having to choose my words really carefully. Some of the things that he gets involved in, um, I want the readers to still like him. So that was hard to make sure that that still happened. Cool, that's quite a balance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't make yourself uh, an easy task for your first book, did you? No, and I, I remember with him, I, I, I wanted this particular, I wanted some, I wanted to have something about him that that wasn't clear, first of all. And um, and I remember again, another dog walk, it's dog walks that do it for me. Another dog walk, and I just, it just kind of thought, yeah, that's it. And then, as with anything, you know, you kind of, that, that's the bones of the idea, and then you kind of, you, you, you work it, you throw it away from it and you bring it back and then you kind of, oh, I could be this, that and the other and eventually I think I managed to um, to, to, to get what I want, get get the effect that I wanted out of it. Mine's making sandwiches at work for some reason. When I'm making sandwiches, I suddenly yeah, yeah. think, ooh, that would be good. I don't know why. Perhaps because I'm not... You, yeah, when, I was probably, yeah, I mean, I would imagine, you know, making sandwiches, you know, it's quite, it's a... It's an activity where you can be a bit mindful, can't you? And you can literally, you know, your, your, your brain can, you're not kind of, you know, you're not being, it's not, it's not that complicated that, that you have to kind of concentrate, you know, you're not like wiring a, you know, washing machine up or something like that, but you, you know, you've got to concentrate on what you're doing, but you can also think and it kind of focus, it allows you to focus your mind, doesn't it? Yeah. Walking. Yeah. Yeah. And listening to you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> While I was making sandwiches this morning, that fool make you fall asleep. I was, I'm up at quarter to, uh, quarter to five, so I'm falling asleep anyway. I've not had three coffees by ten o'clock. Listening to me on a podcast this morning. Yeah. Which one? Uh, I was listening to the one with um, Adam Croft. Oh, the Partners in Crime one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He is. I thought I was only going on as a guest, but I seem to be um, I seem to be a guest a guest presenter now. I thought I was just going on to be interviewed, but because <laughs> Robert Jaws isn't around at the moment, he's filming somewhere. I seem to be, I seem to now be the um, guest presenter. Well, it's funny. I've been I was listening to it this morning, and because they're quite short, I've listened to quite a few. And apparently, Robert Dawes is the other presenter, and I've not heard him once yet in all the ones I've listened to. Yeah. It's been you or Adrian, and then there was one oh, yeah. with David Mark. So oh, that's it, it? Yeah. 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 which was amazing. Yeah. His, yeah. Yeah. No, Robert, Robert, do you know Robert at mm -hmm. all? Um, I know he's, of him because of Hobeck, because I'm friends with Hobeck, so yeah. I know. I'd love he's to very, interview very him. Famous, he's a very famous actor. He's very, if you, <clears throat> I, I recognise him from TV more than anything, but um, he's a great writer too. But a lovely fella, really, just heart of gold. But he's, yeah, he's, I think he sat with a lot of people in, in his business there, you know, during, Covid, there was nothing for them at all. So I think now they're just, you know, they're making hay while the sun shines, and they're going out, for, you know, doing their filming and making what, you know, going out on the road and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I think um, Adam's a famous alumni of my university. Oh, <laughs> One of it? the very few, like two, I think, that yeah. we've got. <laughs> That's what's happened since we last spoke on one of these. You congratulations because you got your degree, didn't you? I did. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Now I know all my forensics. Yeah. So you'd be putting us out of a business soon. <laughs> Never. Eight no hours. chance. <laughs> what well, standard at Greg's bacon sandwiches? I think. I think we're safe for a while. <laughs> um. So, if you were able to take out one of your characters, who would you choose and what would you ask them? You're going to take them for a meal or a beer, I guess. Um, oh, God, it's so hard without spoiler alerting, isn't it? I think I would take out... Um, I would take out... Darren Howe for a beer. So, Darren Howe is Joe Howe's husband. Uh, he's a journalist. Um, he... When we first meet him, he's not in the country, uh, he's away, and, and that causes some difficulties. But I, I, And then stuff happens to him later on in the book. I would take him out, because I, I would want to know, bear in mind Joe Howe does the job that I used to do. I would want to know from him what it's like to be married to somebody that's got that job, and, and how selfish somebody like that can be doing that job or certainly appear to be. Um, I'd also like to know why he thinks he's the one that always can go off out the country and, and uh, she has got a very, very important job and is left struggling with childcare. I'd like to know that. I'd, that'd, be after, that'd be after the fourth pint, that, when I could like point my finger at him and go, tell you what you need to sort out, mate. You need to sort out. And the other thing I'd ask him is, does he think he knows Joe all Joe's secrets? Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't know her. And he's been married to her for a long time. So, but then by the same token, I wonder what he'd ask me. So that might, you might come back to bite me, mightn't it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you hidden any secret jokes or Easter eggs in your book? Uh, oh, Easter eggs. That's a Brian Price thing, isn't it? I, I know he, he did Easter eggs. Um, I, I've not, I don't think I've hidden any secret jokes. There's some, there's some bits of dialogue that I, I absolutely love in there. Uh, that I just, in fact, somebody, somebody, a friend of mine who's, who's just retired as a, as a senior investigating officer from the police, texted me yesterday because he's reading it. Um, and there's a line in there, I'll say it because it's not a spoiler at all, there's a line in there, so they've just, they've just had their first briefing of, after this murder, uh, and um, Joe Howe says, right, everyone, take a selfie of yourself, send it to your loved ones to remind them what you look like, because no one's going home anytime soon to work, and then John, my mate, he texts me, he said, I wish I'd read that before I retired, he said, because I'd love to have said that to him. <laughs> um, but there's lots of I mean there's, there's, as you'd imagine there's lots of lots of realisms in there I mean when Joe is is going to a body um, the thing about I mean we, you know you've got your parrots in your in your room there your budgies in your room there uh, and, you know and this thing that always used to strike me about how life is going on around you know you're looking at the worst thing that could ever have happened to that person and their family 
and you can hear buses going backwards and forwards. You can hear, you know, kids playing in the playground, you know, the school down the road. You can hear all sorts, just life going on around you and birds, birds. So you've got these, you've got these birds, they're chirping away. Life is, you know, there's no, and you'll, you'll just realize that, you know, life should have stopped. And, you know, there, there's a point where I go, well, someone shut those bloody birds up when she's looking at the, uh, at the bodies. Um, so yeah, there's all, and there's all sorts of things like that. Um, I suppose the, I suppose the, the, um, uh, Gary, Gary Hedges pretending to spit in Phil's coffee. That's a, that's another one, you know, of course I make your coffee, cappuccino. <laughs> you know, that's like, so there's so much, there's so much police world in there. So much, and you'd expect it, you know, cause obviously I lived it for more than half my life. So, um, yeah, and, and I love writing some of that stuff. Um, obviously you advise other authors, but also you do your courses. So was there any point when you were writing where you had to step back and take advice from your own courses and your writing? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because um, I always say on my courses, and you've, you've done some of them, and, and, and you've helped out on, on an open day as well that we did to try and um, get, get the word out about the courses. So I'm really grateful for that. But I, I always talk about wearing your research lightly you know, look, know, know as much as, you, you know, we're going to tell you and, you know, really understand it. But when you're writing it, just, you know, top 2%, just the 2% of it, whatever makes your story, keeps your story going, keeps your characters going. Don't, don't flood your book with research. Um, and I, I had to, you know, I had to walk the walk there because my first, my first uh, draft was 125,000 words. Uh, and that's that's 25% too long at least. Um, so, you know, I, I had to strip out so much procedure and, and and characters, you know, so I I remember somebody said to me, oh, you know, you've, you've got too many police characters in there. I said, well, don't be daft. I said, that's how, that's how many people there are that you have in a murder investigation. You have all these roles. And she said, yeah, but the reader doesn't need to know all these roles. You know, you, you don't have to have everyone kind of stepping onto stage at any one point you know you you can create the you can create the the, the the knowledge that there are a lot of people involved but you don't have to kind of have them all coming on stage uh, and you know so i had to strip out a lot of people i amalgamated some roles that wouldn't normally be amalgamated so definitely had to had to do that the other thing that i had to do which wasn't really connected with the courses is that you know i know i know what it's like to be a, a senior police officer in brighton and hove uh, and I know what it's like to get to, to, you know, to rise through the ranks to get there as a man. I don't know what it's like as a woman to do that. And obviously, you know, I've set myself a challenge by writing a protagonist, a female protagonist. Um, so I, I spoke to a lot of um, a, a lot of former colleagues of mine who were who were, were senior, either either serving still or, or have recently retired as well. To, to learn from them what what life was like as they were going through and um, you know one of them had children a bit like Joe you know she um, the, the other one didn't have oh no she had children quite late on uh, and you know they were they were so good they you know they spoke in quite a lot of detail and you know I'd never share some of the things that they said but some of the challenges that they faced both externally and internally uh, were, were massive and, and nothing like I got you know white kind of straight man you know in, 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 you know who, who's from this country and from the almost from the town where i'm right you know where i'm working you know i you don't realize how privileged you are until 
you hear how really good people have struggled five, six, seven, ten times harder than I had to to get what I got. Um, did you have to do much research? Because obviously your career is going to have given you crazy amounts of information, but was there any research you had to do? Yeah, quite a bit actually. I mean, obviously, but talked about the um, getting the, 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 the woman's perspective. Um, I, I had to, to, to research a lot of um, uh, a lot of locations. Um, you know, I know I knew them all, but you know, they all needed to serve a purpose, and I needed to check that they served a purpose. Um, even though I I uh, was a firearms commander, um, you know, I, I being a firearms commander, you don't kind of know exactly all the weaponry and that sort of thing that police firearms officers have. So I needed to I needed to research that and sent that to a couple of people to read through, um, and and I needed to research the private security industry as well, um, which uh, was interesting because and I, I say to the two companies Select Security and Beacon Security that I went to, you know I say that you know I found out what they did and, and made sure that that my my security company didn't do any of those things because they're very good security companies and this lot are a bunch of rogues so I, 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 I tried to make it clear that I haven't. You know, this isn't what Select or Beacon do. That this is what you know they don't do. Um, so yeah, no, quite, quite quite a lot of research, and, and of course, a lot of learning about the writing process as well. I mean, I, you know, as I say, this story was huge when I was first wrote it. I had no idea about structure, arcs, you know, how to kind of pitch an antagonist against a, a protagonist. All of that, I had no idea at all. Second book, I mean, I've I've done a lot of, you know, I've done some 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 courses and read an awful lot, and I've. I've got a much better idea about it but um yeah just 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 creating the story was, was was probably the hardest thing for me actually the the mechanics of the story as opposed to the theme of the story and that's what I love about doing your courses because now that you've written yourself you can say I know exactly where you're coming from I know the trouble you're having and you never say no you say well you could do this or there's always a way around which is awesome you know and especially some of the more established crime writers i noticed um that are so set on their idea you're like well you know it wouldn't happen but yeah and yeah. i think they really appreciate that and what, yeah and thank you and, and what i try to do is is put around <clears throat> you know put, put some some steps in before whatever it is they want to introduce or Put some dialogue in that um, that that kind of you know acknowledges the fact that it's an unusual set of circumstances, so that the knowledgeable reader can go, okay, yeah, you know, you don't think this happens all the time. I'll give an example of that. So, um, so I do some t television work as well. So I was, I was working on a program called We Hunt Together, and at one point they wanted a, the superintendent to go on a raid of a farmhouse, and, and you, superintendents don't go anywhere near them. They're they're kind of controlling it all from elsewhere. So. Uh, and I said, well, the superintendent wouldn't go there. And I, I knew what they'd say. They'd go, well, she's a great character. She is, she's a brilliant character, Susan, the superintendent. Um, yeah, we, we want her there. I went, oh, okay, all right. So uh, I just thought about it and I thought, well, you know, theoretically she can be there because she's the boss. And if she says, I'm going to be there, who's going to tell her no? So, and, and she's the sort of character that would, that would do that but just because she wanted to have a day out of the office. So I said to her, well, I said, just... Just get the, when she says she's going to go on the raid, just get the other characters, get the other actors, just to give each other a look as if to say, what, what, you know, and then don't even even have to have any dialogue, just a look would do. And, and then you then, then just crack on. And, that, and that's what they did. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's that you and 
I think the difficulty with going to people, getting people to advise that don't write, is that they will tell you, um, you know, very faithfully, very accurately, what policing is like. You know, what how to how to investigate a missing person, how to interview a, 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 a reluctant suspect, how to put a set of handcuffs on. They'll tell you that, and and it'll be right. But what they won't be able to do is with you go, yeah, but. I don't want that to happen. I want them to do that, and it, and it's it's having that kind of that awareness of the of, of the, the 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 narrative and the character imperatives that help me and the people the other people on my team, most of whom are crime writers, go, yeah, okay, all right, well we'll do it this way then, but you need to put that in place first, and that I'll we'll get them to say the other. That's the way to do it. And the other thing about your courses is the the people that you have helping you just unbelievable you know some of the biggest names in crime writing and you know and of the different disciplines just incredible like it's such a massive um gift to the people that do them and your black book must be quite insane i was saying this to mark billingham and he was like yeah but you must have quite a, a list of people that you know <laughs> that you could call on yeah i yeah I, I, i'm very I'm, I'm very lucky i've got i've got a lot of people and you know from the I haven't shown the. I, shown, I need to show the cover. I'm, I'm always told on this book here, which is my book, which I wrote because it's got my name on it. Um, you know, I'm very, very lucky to go to people like you know Peter James, Mark Billingham, Anthony Horowitz, um, uh, Ellie Griffiths. You know, and people that I I've worked with and and you know I, I regard as friends to ask them to read to read through. And I, I'm under no illusion that you know a lot of people struggle to get to get quotes because they just don't know people and. You know that's that's I'm very lucky to, to 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 know some of those people. I mean, I've you know I've I've worked with them, and I've you know I kind of um, <laughs> Mark Billingham. I, I first met Mark Billingham. He was at an event in Brighton, and I was just chatting to him in Brighton. Um, this was in 2018, and and I said, "Oh, I'm a police advisor." And we were chatting quite nicely, and then he was, then he kind of moved. He signed my book, moved on, and and then I happened to be checking into the Swan Hotel at Harrogate with him. We were doing Creative Thursday. Uh, this is just behind him and I thought I need to engineer another conversation because you're a really good bloke to know <laughs> so I followed him into the lift I was just mute and I said I said Mark isn't it I said we met in Brighton do you remember on the police advisor well from that we got so Kate Kate Bendelow who's um you you'll know is a um is a soccer and a crime writer we were doing this um Creative Thursday. We got invited out with the Harrogate committee for dinner that night, and I was sat next to Mark Billingham, and we were chatting like old mates by the end. But just because I, just because I managed to follow him into a lift, I just heard it wasn't a toilet. But uh... <laughs> yeah, someone accused no, me of that Someone accused me of that the other day, accosting someone in a toilet. I'm like, no, I'm not that bad, Jesus. <laughs> that might have been Mark actually. I can't remember. yeah. Oh, but he's lovely, isn't he? He's just Yeah. He always says oh, no, I like, take take the piss out of him for being tired. He's every time I see him. Every oh, time I'm I see him he's not surprised. He's all over the place. I'm doing an event with him next next Monday. Uh and um, you know, he's I, I think he's God no he's all over the place before that. He's he's like all over the country. Yeah. Well, when I emailed him to ask for him for another interview, he's like, oh, yeah, it's fine, but I'm touring in Canada, so can we do it when I get back? Like, 
Well, yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, sure, it's fine. Totally normal to be touring in Canada. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that, that, that's the thing with a lot of these writers. You know, Peter's, Peter's the same, Ellie Griffith's, you know, the same. They work incredibly hard, you know. It's, it's not just a case of the writing, you know. It's just, it's so, it's so hard to, and I think the more mm. successful you become, the harder it comes in a different way. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, getting contracts and stuff like that and getting, you know, profile, but you have to serve that profile. And, you know, you look at Ellie Griffith, she's, she's never out of a bookshop. She's always all over the place. And, and then you talk to her and say, oh, you know, you must be really good at writing on the road. And she said, she says, oh, I never write on the road. I wait till I get home. You go, what? You bring out two books a year and you're never at home. How do you manage that? But yeah, and they, so they, you know, hats off to all of them. And I, you know, I was, I was in Goldsboro Books this morning in Brighton sign, signing some stock for them. And I, I always do this when I go into a bookshop, particularly when I've, you know, the twi twice before when I've had a book out and, re and feeling uh, how hard it is for me. And then you look at, you know, people like Val McDermott's books up there and you just think her life must be constantly just grafting, grafting, grafting. Yeah. Um, what was I just going to say to you? I'll, I'm trying to get Ellie Griffiths for an interview and it's just impossible. <laughs> but fun, Mark Billingham is so easy to, to tie down and Ellie Griffiths um, is, we've been going back and forth for ages, a couple of months, I think, and still haven't managed to tie her down to a day, but I'll keep trying. <laughs> she, I mean, she, she is, she's, she's amazing and she never says no to anybody either. So that, that's, that's why she's so busy, but she, you know, just, just hold on in there because she, she'll you'll love it you'll love her yeah, yeah i think she's great I've not, i met her at bloody scotland maybe or somewhere i've met her um she's sort of got a signed book from her um and we share the same birthday oh do you yeah and luca veste is has to say he was born literally on the same day as me which is really awesome. yeah, that means your birthday must be near mine then because i've I'm 21st of August. What, you must be in August, are you? 17th. Yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew her birthday and my birthday are close together, but Luca's the same as he. Yeah, yeah, we were literally born the same day. And when I told him, he said he was going to go ask his mum if he had another sibling <laughs> they didn't know about. <laughs> Apparently he's got quite a lot of siblings. Was that okay? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Another one, just to chuck another one into the mix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I know from having spoke to you before and hearing your podcast, you said that um, you found um, like having to decide what characters do and stuff and making them up difficult. But was there anything else moving from nonfiction to fiction that you found harder than you expected? Um, I, I think I think pacing was was quite hard. Um, you know, keep, keeping keeping the pace going and and you know with with nonfiction, you you kind of almost have to. You do really have to show all the steps, you know, particularly the type of nonfiction I'm writing where, you know, one of them, Babes in the Wood, which is a kind of 32 year fight for, for, for justice. You can't kind of move from 1986 and then pop up again in 2018 and not explain how you got from there to there. I mean, you know, that is the story, really. But with with, with fiction, what, what I found is that I was tempted to kind of just just write all the steps in anyway. Um, and you know, get, getting very fixated on this this show, don't tell. So I just think, oh, I can't, I can't just kind of mention that that's happened, and just and and then you know, and then move on. But it was it was actually Ellie Griffiths that said to me sometimes, 
you just got to tell. You just got to tell. Otherwise, you you know you're literally showing every single step. And it's whilst it's all you know, it might be very vivid. Then I've dragged the story down and, and, and up the word count. So I think I think the pacing was 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 hard. Um, and you know I, I I took a lot of feedback on drafts on that. You know a lot about you know soggy middles and that sort of thing. And um, you know I since then as I say I've done, I mean I did the John York story course which really cemented for me five act structure and, and you know and, and, and the and the beats within within each act and you know where you you know where you take it and who's who's involved and, and without applying it slavishly so it becomes formulaic that really helped me with pacing because it I kind of knew I needed to you know I needed to up things here and then and then things near and up again and you know and it just really it really helped I don't you know hopefully and that's why I love that's why I love this kind of second career because I'm learning all the time you know every day is a school day well you absolutely nailed it so <laughs> Jesus Christ it's insane like there's just <laughs> so much going on and it's just like wow what was it we were when you first read it you said you put something like shit and I, and <laughs> I said and I, I said I'm gonna get that put on the back of the book <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't say that very often either yeah i know just yeah i mean obviously i've been talking about it because i freaking loved it so um yeah you definitely nailed <laughs> thank it you. thank you thank you well i just need to keep going now don't i yeah well you know whenever you want to send book two over that's fine <laughs> Well, that I, had definitely, marks I, to I definitely know. I definitely know who's getting um, who's getting proofs of, of, the, of the second <laughs> book because you can, you know, anyone. Well, in fact, I, touch wood, I've not, they've all been very good reviews so far. So there's a lot of people that are going to get proofed. But if, if anyone, you know, if anyone upsets me, I'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. Just threaten them. Yeah, that would do. Yeah, just just ghost them. So you're not saying it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you book three so you get all the spoilers. <laughs> it's very childish. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were editing, what was your most overused word or phrase? Oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> really? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I've got a. Um, I won't look. Uh, I've got a list now. Yeah, Mark Billingham told me to do this. He said, create a list of a lift. Of, yeah, everyone was going, oh, Jesus, or oh, Jesus, or oh, Jesus, or or killed the call. Killed the call was the other one. They killed the call. How many calls are these people going to kill? And, you know, who's investigating the murder of these calls? They killed the call. Yeah, so everyone said Jesus and, and killed the call. But yeah, Mark, Mark said to me because he he went through an early draft and. He, I can't remember what it was he picked out. He said, you should keep a list. He said, and every time you do a manuscript, he said, you just do a word search on that list. You know, every, you know, just go through that list, do a word search. He said, because you were, he said, I could tell you now, he said, but your next book, it'll be full of the same word because that's just, it just, that's the word that comes to your mind. Yeah, he was the same. And he's like, well, that's what I pay editors for. Yeah. <laughs> You've written 20 books. You must know by now. It's like, ah, that's what I pay them for. <laughs> Um, obviously, you've re released a two non-fiction um, and your fiction book isn't out till Thursday, but what's been the highlight in the whole journey so far? 
Um, I, I would, I would say it's hard because they, the, you know, death comes knocking, writing, mm. writing death comes knocking with Peter, learning a craft with Peter has been amazing. Uh, it, death comes knocking became a Sunday times top 10 bestseller number seven for one week, but I'm having it. It's, it's good. Babes in the Wood was very different. It was, um, it, it was quite a somber. It was, a, I, I, I prefer Babes in the Wood. I, I'm happier with the writing in Babes in the Wood. But you know, it's not a book to celebrate. It's you know, it's it's a it, it's a very very sad and brutal story. I don't I don't tell it salaciously, but it is you know, it's no escaping from it. Two little girls got killed uh, or were murdered. Um, I, I think probably, I think probably um, where we are now. To be honest, I think you know, having a novel that I am delighted with that I've written, uh, at, that you know, coming out. You know, and and people talking about it is just it's just amazing. And um, I, I I was asked um, at an at an event I did last last week um, whether I would want to write whether I would want a million to sell a million books um, of a book you know of, of a book that 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 was okay or one or one book of an absolute masterpiece. And I said one book of a masterpiece. I you know, I, I, I'm so pleased with the response to Bad for Good already. And I, and I am delighted with, you know, the, 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 the way that hard work's paid off. I'm, I'm delighted with the book. You know, I, I think, I, I, I don't think I could have written a better book. And I think if you get to that point and you can say, you know, there it is. It's got a proper cover. Um, you know, oh, look, this one's got Bad for Good like that. <laughs> that on there uh, and you know people are loving it um that mean that means the world to me you know whether it becomes a bestseller uh you know whether you know wh whatever its future you know it's a book that i'm really proud of that that you know i mean let's say for, for today i was in a in a bookshop in brighton in girls of books in brighton and it's there on the shelves that's just amazing but that doesn't that doesn't kind of decry the other highs because it's a fabulous you know it's a fabulous journey i've been on well, I already told you I'm calling it for award season next year, so. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> um, and you're, you've got a busy summer coming up, so where can we, uh, obviously you're going to be on a panel at Harrogate, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm doing a panel, panel at Harrogate on the, on the Saturday afternoon, at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, I think it is. I'm doing a capital crime um, in September. I'm not sure what I'm doing there, even though capital crime is... Uh, run by my agent. He's not told everyone what they're doing yet and what they're, what they're, I've got, a, and I can't say what it is. I've got an idea what it might be and it sounds a lot of fun, um, but I don't think I'm supposed to know. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got, what well, I'm, I'm at Brighton on Monday the 27th with Mark Billingham and Tim Weaver. Um, I'm in Stenning, which is a, um, a, a village um, just outside um, sort of Brighton with Leslie Thompson on the 7th Stenning Bookshops was Bookshop of the Month the Booksellers Bookshop of the Month recently they put on really good events so we're, we're doing that um, what else am I doing um, UK Crime Book Club this Thursday um, doing that with Mark Edwards that should be good mm -hmm. uh, yeah uh, yeah. so I can't what other live events am I doing I can't think what other live events I'm doing there must be some other ones in there um, but I can't think what they are <laughs> Does your wife recognise you when you walk in the house? 
30 years, I don't think she's that bothered really. No, she is. You're too cute. You're you're obviously so in love with her still when you went away. So there's no way. I saw your message. I saw your message when you went to South America or something. Oh, it's Turks and Caicos. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, we're very lucky. I'm very lucky. You know, she's put up with me. She tolerated me. I know, I feel sorry for her more than anyone because, you know, she was a police widow and now she's an awful widow. And yeah. I feel sorry for the awful widows because authors are weird. Yeah. As a rule. And, you know, to be married and to, you know, just bless them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, police officers are weird as well, though, so she's quite used to weird. Good job, really, isn't it? I suppose if she's stuck it out for so long, then she's all right. She's used. <laughs> kind of weird, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, although you've spent time with so many authors, if there was any author, dead or alive, you could spend a day with, who would you like to spend the day with? Wilbur Smith. Wilbur Smith has got me into. Well, didn't get me into. Got me into reading. Wilbur Smith got me into reading, and I just, I would just love to, love to just listen to his stories because I don't know if you read any of his books with your Wilbur, but he's, you know, he, the. The, the, I mean, they're, they're all based in Africa. Most of them are based in Africa, not all of them. Based in Africa. Some of them, you know, from, from the kind of 1600s, some of them sort of more up to date. And just the, the, the imagery he paints of, of the people, the customs, traditions, the landscapes, the wildlife and everything is just amazing. And, and I'd love to know, bearing in mind that we don't write everything that we know down on paper, I'd love to, I'd love to hear some more, some more stories. Uh, about that. In fact, um, David, my, my agent, um, has actually had dinner with him in, in the Seychelles because his business partner's from the Seychelles. And they, yeah, they ended up having dinner with, uh, with Wilbur Smith. He's just incredible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, one of my favourite questions I love asking authors, which could be particularly interesting for an ex-police officer, is if you were to be a fictional killer, how would you kill your victims? Um, I, I'd get you to do it. I think. <laughs> okay. How would I? How would I kill them? Um, I don't know how I'd kill them. I'd, I'd kill them in as in as kind of natural way as possible. So I'd probably try and um, I, I'd probably try and hasten a heart attack or something like that. So it looks it looks like it's something um, something benign. So try and so no no injuries, no poisons. That are going to stay in the system, um, nothing that's going to really kind of stand out as, as being odd. Um, but if I was going to bury, do you want to know how I bury a body? How I get rid of a body? Because that's the one I, I've thought about this one, only for fictional purposes. So I would, I would, I have, I'd have to get someone to dig it because I'm not going to dig it. Dig, dig a big hole. In, in this is if the animals might get hurt in this story, but they're not really. So dig a big hole in a in a wood or something like that. Bury the body. Half fill the hole with, with with earth, then put a reasonably large dead animal in there as well, and then cover that a little cover that so it's just covered with with with, with earth as well. And then when the um, I'm, I'm not sure whether this will actually work, but when the cadaver dogs come over and it's like they start going mental, they'll find the deer or whatever it is you've you put in there, and go oh no it's just a deer and move on. Dig deeper, dig deeper. 
<laughs> I don't know if that worked. There are probably loads of people going to write in and say, that's rubbish, it wouldn't work like that. But I, I, it's the only way I can think of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I should admit this, but when Malcolm Hollandrake interviewed me, he asked me and I said I'd stab someone a hundred times. <laughs> Would you? Yeah, this comes up with you quite a lot, especially as in a job where you've got knives around you all the time. I do worry about that. <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to get away with that if you stab someone a hundred times. To be fair, that's one specific person I have in mind. But then some of my customers are very challenging and we have bread knives that are like that long and they're serrated. So, yeah, but they're downstairs and, you know, I can't be asked. Downstairs is far. Oh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but we do have scissors and tongs. Yeah. upstairs so yeah it's fine it's a hundred times are you going to count yourself are you going to get someone else because i'd lose count i'd have to oh, 77 or 78 was that oh i can't remember that's yeah that's a good point actually i didn't think of that apparently it means i need therapy as well <laughs> well i think yeah i don't think there's <laughs> any question about that at all i'm very placid normally <laughs> very placid the, the guy that I would have stabbed a hundred times is the reason that I've written a book and he comes to oh, a very really? nasty, yeah, he oh, comes really? to a very nasty end, yeah. If I can't actually no, stab no. him, then I will do it in fiction and I would enjoy every second of it. <laughs> oh, really? D does he know or not? No, he's got the real um, first name. Oh, right. But not obviously not the surname. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, and if you were fictionally killed, who would you like to solve your case? Uh, I, who would I like to solve? Um, any any uh, character that uh, Nicola Walker's playing. Good because call. I, she'd have a laugh while she was doing it. And that's how I want people to have a laugh. You know, I don't want people to be too miserable about solving murder. Yeah, she's very cool as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can't think of any more questions for you at the moment. I no, should wait for. Save them up for that front row at Harrogate. Yep, or for, for book two, or both actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we go, would you just like to show your book off again? Remind everyone oh, yes, where they can get it from. Yeah, there we go. So you can get that on, um, you can get that Goals for Books, Waterstones, um, Amazon, I think, uh, and of course, independent bookshops of which uh Goldsboro is one it's bookshop um independent bookshop week this week um so you get through bookshop.org as well which is um people probably know is a website which um, supports some um, independent bookshops so yeah and if people would like to find more about you or interested in your courses where can they find they go to www.policeadvisor with an or so there's two ways of spelling advisor.co.uk and uh, you'll see about my books, my courses, um, some Bartlett's bloopers on there, which are the things that people get wrong. Uh, and you can sign up to my newsletter and send me messages and all the things you can normally do on a news on a website. Yes, absolutely. And as have someone that's read your book, it's amazing. People should buy it. As someone that's done your courses, they're amazing. People should do them. Fabulous. Thank you very much. And thanks for all your support. It's, honestly, it's been, it, I've been so grateful to you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you.